For me, a big part of Polonia was being at this intersection of kind of developer tools on the one side and cloud on the other side. And I think a lot of the folks, especially the early folks who came uh, to Polonia, were, were really excited about working at that intersection and about kind of pushing forward where the industry was in terms of that, that intersection. Uh, and that, you know, let us, uh, there's a lot of really great folks out there who are excited about that, that intersection, of, excited about both of uh, developer tools and cloud. And, and so we were able to talk to them about our vision, get them excited about that. And, and once, once folks were excited about that, many or most of the cases, they, they wanted to come and be part of it. My name is Luke Hoban. I'm the CTO at Palumi. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Lou Coben combined his passions for cloud and code and created developer-first infrastructure. All this and more on Code Story. Lou Coben has been into tech and computers for many, many years. It started off when he was a kid, but sailed with him into college as he got into languages. He spent the first part of his career at Microsoft building tools, IDEs, and programming languages. His take on the frame of mind required to build a language is centered around what you want it to do, combined with how it feels for the programmer to express what they want it to do. Bottom line, it is an art, not a science and is much more about product and user interaction design than anything. Post-Microsoft, Luke went to work for Amazon on the cloud, specifically EC2. The thing he had in the back of his head for many years was how to bring the programming model into the cloud space. He eventually left Amazon and set out to combine his love of designing programming languages with the movement and excitement of the cloud. This is the creation story of Pulumi. Pulumi is a modern infrastructure as code uh, tool. And so the product is about you know, um, bringing a, a modern take on kind of infrastructure as code uh, to the market. Uh, the company, uh, I think, you know, is really focused around that product right now, but really sees a broader uh, kind of view around helping uh, sort of engineers take advantage of everything that they have in the cloud. And, and modern infrastructure as code is one key piece of that. But, you know, over time, I think we're going to explore some other areas as well. Um, in terms of that modern infrastructure as code, I think you know infrastructure as code is is really about the ability to take uh, the cloud infrastructure uh, that you're working with and bring sort of uh, software engineering capabilities into that. So bring treat it like code, uh, version control it, and manage it like an asset that's code. And for Pulumi, what we're really doing is taking kind of that modern take on it. And that means we're really embracing kind of the modern. Uh, modern architectures that folks are using in the cloud, the scale and complexity of what folks are trying to do with the cloud today um, that really has ramped up tremendously over the last 10 years as the cloud has developed. Uh, and then bringing a modern sort of software engineering approach to that that lets folks use the rich programming languages and IDs and developer tools and debuggers and all those sorts of things that they're used to and bring able to use that to, to leverage that to, to take advantage of what's in the cloud. So I think, you know, I, I kind of mentioned that, you know, that path of kind of going from Microsoft working on developer tools for application developers and then, uh, and then Amazon working on the cloud. And, and so I think a thing that I'd been uh, had in the back of my head for, for, for many years had been sort of, hey, it feels like there's an opportunity to go leverage 
some of the things that we've done kind of application developers and bring that into the cloud space and bring some new kind of approaches to software engineering and programming models uh, into the cloud space. After I spent some time at AWS, I talked with uh, you know a colleague I worked with a little bit at Microsoft, uh, Joe Duffy, who's our CEO here at uh, Pulumi, and, and he was having some similar thoughts uh, and thinking about starting a company to work on this. And so uh, we decided to, to start the company and, um, and and go after this. And I think the interesting thing when we started, we we started thinking a little bit more along the lines of focusing on really enabling developers, uh, folks building applications and services and things to more easily take advantage of uh, what was available in the cloud. Uh, we know that that's the thing that, you know, that there's these amazing building blocks with the cloud providers, uh, but actually putting those building blocks together is, is still pretty hard. And a lot of developers feel like they, they don't have full control over all of the resources that they've got available there. Uh, and we started off there, we, we, we did a lot of interesting things there, but actually saw as we as we moved on that um, the place that we were actually seeing the most demand, the most pull from kind of the existing market was actually more around infrastructure as code. And it was around, hey, like I already am managing some infrastructure. I already understand the cloud, but what I need to do is really scale up the complexity of what I can build because these building blocks are amazing and my business is growing and I want to adopt these modern technologies. And so instead of me managing, you know, tens of resources in the cloud, I'm managing thousands or tens of thousands of resources in the cloud. How do I bring more software engineering practices in uh, to, to help me with that? And so that's sort of where we've ended up uh, kind of focusing and I have you know, a whole bunch of customers and users uh, of our open source project who have uh, come in and have started to use Pulumi as part of how they work with a cloud provider. Tell me about the MVP. Tell me about that first product you built, how long it took you to build and what sort of tools you use to bring it to life. We kind of started with some core SDKs, and we actually you know, we, we iterated uh, in a few different directions in the early um, part. Both, as I mentioned, we kind of started with a bit more of a focus on uh, on that developer uh, user instead of sort of the infrastructure uh, team. Uh, but the MVP, uh, we built a, a handful of pieces ourselves. So we actually built you know um, our own approaches to we didn't build our own programming languages, but we built our own sort of runtimes that would allow us to run uh, programs in existing languages. We, uh, we built some libraries for interacting with, with AWS uh, and those sorts of things and built out sort of an end-to-end -end experience for how could we make it really easy to, to work with and manage uh, resources in the cloud. And over time, we sort of realized that some of those pieces, there were actually better ways to build them on top of some other foundations that were available in the ecosystem to build on top of the existing Node.js runtime, for example, to empower uh, you know, JavaScript developers to work with uh, cloud infrastructure to build on top of uh, you know, existing resource providers for the major cloud platforms that were available in the open source ecosystem. And so our MVP, we sort of did all of it ourselves, but kind of went, uh, you know, did a, a fairly shallow uh, approach across the industry in, in the sense that we only supported AWS initially, we only supported one language initially. But then as we wanted to scale those out, we kind of went back and, and rebuilt those things on a foundation that would allow us to sort of support any cloud, that would allow us to support any language, that would allow us to support any uh, sort of cloud architecture. So you kind of said you segued right into you know, where I want to go with my next question. So with any you know MVP, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs about you know what you're going to build in the short term or what sort of technical debt you're going to accept. And in the process of you know choosing one programming language or you know just going with AWS, you probably had to work through that process. So tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to make and and how you coped with those decisions. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think you know, one of them, as I mentioned, was actually starting off by uh, kind of doing it in, a, in an approach that was a bit thinner, that didn't go kind of in uh, uh, along each of these dimensions, didn't go to n, it just went to one in a sense, and that was one way we were kind of able to scope what we did uh, early on. But then I think as we as we started to work with real customers and, and, and get sort of some adoption and things, we certainly had to go and now expand those. And so uh, partly it was building foundations that scaled well. Uh, and one of the key things I think that we've tried to do is along each of these dimensions where we need to be able to scale well, like the number of clouds we can support, the number of languages we can support, the number of integrations with CICD vendors that we can support. We want to have a, a structural way of kind of approaching that where there's a there's a fixed cost, but then the, the variable cost as we sort of add more is relatively low. And then we can be customer centric and we can go say, oh, well, when, when there's need for this next cloud provider, we can go work with a customer, we can respond to that quickly and we can bring that online. Um, and so I think that the key thing has been building up those approaches so that we uh, so that we can uh, kind of scale incrementally in each of these directions. So then from from there and, and you know, scaling incrementally, like progressing your product, how did you go about that? How did you go about progressing it and maturing it? And I'm interested in how you built your roadmap and decided, okay, this is the next most important thing to build. So I think, you know, there's an interesting transition that I think a lot of companies, certainly we did, um, go through when they sort of go, it's not even as companies, it's something I, I've been through building products at, at other big companies, but that transition from before you launch to after you launch is a very, you know, significant transition in, in terms of how you think about kind of your roadmap and how you think about your, your product development, I feel like. Before we launched, you know, we were working with a few, uh, few customers in sort of private previews and things, but... Largely, we were trying to kind of invent something, you know, uh, that, that, that didn't exist and kind of uh, imagine what that would look like. And we weren't as grounded in some of the, you know, hey, we've got existing customers. What is what do they need uh, kind of thing? It was more about kind of jumping out ahead of where customers were uh, a little bit. And so I think that that period before uh, our product roadmap was about, hey, what, 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 what is our conviction about where where the industry is going? What, what, what this product needs to look like? You know what we can build? Uh, and then start validating that with uh, with users and with customers uh, prior to releasing. But I'd say in the you know within a year of launching, you know then we we have enough uh, you know customer base who's betting on Pulumi, who's using it now to to build their businesses uh, and giving us a lot of great feedback. And now our product roadmap process can sort of be primarily driven by just listening to what they're saying, listening to what they. Uh, are telling us they need um, both what they're saying explicitly they need, um, like we need you to fix this button or you need you to add this feature, um, or kind of what they're saying the problems are that they have that are adjacent to what we're already solving that we recognize, oh, we should go solve those problems as well because they're not the only ones who are going to have that problem. Uh, we're hearing that from two or three customers and we know that that's something that you know we can go and do a great job of uh, as sort of an addition to our existing product. And so, so I feel like that, that aspect of, of shifting from uh, being convicted about kind of a vision uh, to uh, still having that conviction, but kind of attaching it to the, the what we're hearing from our customers uh, really helps us to to ground what we're doing in a big way uh, now that we're you know we've had the product in the market for a few years. Let's switch to team. So, how did you go about building your team, and and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? first thing, and I think this is true for any company, but it was especially interesting for us, um, you know, I kind of have mentioned that for me, a big part of Polini was being that this intersection of kind of developer tools on the one side and cloud on the other side. 
And I think a lot of the folks, especially the early folks who came uh, to Palumi, were, were really excited about working at that intersection and about kind of pushing forward where the industry was in terms of that, that intersection of uh, things, developer tools and cloud. Uh, and that, you know, let us, uh, there's a lot of really great folks out there who are excited about that, that intersection of excited about both of uh, developer tools and cloud. And, and so we were able to talk to them about our vision, get them excited about that. And, and once, once folks were excited about that, um, you know, uh, in many or most of the cases, they, they wanted to come and be part of it. And so, um, so I think a big part of it was just finding folks who really believed in and were excited about uh, working at the forefront of, of, of those two uh, trends. Uh, and then from there, you know, we, we wanted to, um, you know, we started off, obviously, a lot of the early company was folks who uh, had been at uh, some of the big tech companies that, that we had worked at, been at Amazon and Microsoft and, and Google, um, uh, and a lot of folks who were in the Seattle area. Um, so a big thing for us, you know, after the first five or six hires where it was very concentrated there was to sort of, uh, you know, in increase the diversity of the team, both, you know, the backgrounds folks had, where they were from, you know, um, spread now across uh, across the world and hired a lot more broadly. Um, and so kind of going from that, a little bit of a monoculture around some of folks from some of the big tech companies to uh, having sort of a more representative, uh, you know, um, company that has a lot of more startup experience, has a lot of earlier stage career uh, experience. Uh, all the things that we needed to kind of uh, flesh out the team. This will be interesting given the nature of your product. So I want to talk about scalability. So did you build this? And I'm, I'm going to ask this as generically as possible because I want to just, I want to get your take on it. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or are you fighting this as you grow? Yeah, so I think we, we definitely designed uh, to scale. Uh, we, we sort of, you know, a couple of aspects to that. One that we sort of knew this was about taming and managing uh, complexity and, and scale for customers. And so a big part of it was we knew that this was about managing a lot of things on behalf of, uh, of a customer and, and, and helping them to, to tame and, and scale uh, well. Um, but even beside that, uh, I think we knew that we needed to be able to uh, grow. You know, we knew from day one we want to support effectively every cloud provider. Uh, and so that means we've got to you know, sort of design for that scale, not go and do it all immediately, but design to be able to, to scale up uh, to support a wide variety of different things. Um, and so I think that was that was key to how we thought about things. And, and I, I think, you know, a key, a key sort of technical approach was how do we build an architect uh, things so that we can actually uh, scale in these dimensions that are important to us. Right, that makes sense. So you architected it in such a way and abstracted it in such a way to where as you needed to build in that scale, it was easy to do. Is, is that my hearing you right? Uh, I think that's exactly right. And of course, you know, the reality that I think everyone who goes through uh, kind of growth uh, of their product realizes that some of the ways that they thought about scaling are, are true and are important, but that there's also other ways that they sort of hadn't anticipated the, the those scaling dimensions. And uh, so we've certainly seen, you know, we've certainly had you know, things we've had to go tackle and readjust our approach on uh, as we have grown our user base and as we have grown the set of uh, supported platforms. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely something you're always, as you're scaling up, you're, you're always finding new, uh, new things that are sort of uh, starting to creak under the pressure of that scale and, and that you need to go back and, uh, and look at again. But, um, but so far, I think, you know, generally, uh, you know, the most important dimensions for us have been the ones that we kind of uh, had a sense we were going to have to architect for early on. 
Well, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? The thing I'm actually most proud of is really kind of the open source project and, and community and things that we have around um, Pulumi. You know, one of the interesting things for us, we're, we're kind of an open source company uh, in the sense that our, our project and the vast majority of the value that we kind of make available is is part of an open source project we have. But unlike a lot of you know open source companies, there was an existing open source project that was out there in the world and had already gained some amount of, of critical mass and adoption. And then a company came along later to sort of... Uh, you know, create paid offerings on top of that. And for us, it wasn't that way. We, you know, had the idea to build a company and a business in this space and kind of knew that for the kind of product we wanted, it was going to be really important for it to be built around an open source foundation because folks were going to be taking a bet on building things on top of that foundation and really betting on it deeply for their, for their, for their company. And so for us, that, that decision to kind of build that open source project, make that all available, really put all of the value of what we build effectively into that open source project was, was a big, important uh, part of how we thought about building the company. Uh, and I'm really excited by how that open source project has, has flourished. It's, um, it's grown a ton. We've got a ton of contributors from, from many of our customers, but also lots of other uh, folks out in the ecosystem and, and partners and things. Uh, and really excited to continue to see that ecosystem uh, grow and, and just for us to sort of help uh, steward that uh, going forward. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. It's always tough to, to sort of frame things as explicitly being mistakes because they're sort of always, uh, there's always, there was always a good reason for doing them, but uh, but then you kind of find out new information, you learn, you go and adjust. Um, and so, you know, there's a couple of things I could talk about, but one that, you know, we actually recently uh, actually changed our, our pricing model uh, and we've actually changed our pricing model twice. And so in some sense, you could you could say maybe we thought our first two pricing models were, were mistakes. And I don't know that they were per se. They're just, you know, we kind of learned as we as we grew uh, uh, and, and used that to sort of adjust the approach we took. Um, but, you know, I'd say pricing is, is always a really important uh, aspect of any uh, company and any business. And, you know, we we started with an approach that was sort of based on something we call stacks. Uh, and it made a lot of sense from a, uh, you know, from our perspective and, and from kind of how we thought about the, the, what the unit of value was, which is really important. But it was something that we found, you know, folks coming up to Pulumi for the first time, it was a concept that they didn't understand, right? It was something that we had made up. It was a concept about Pulumi itself and that you, you wouldn't have a good intuition for until you'd already started using Pulumi. Uh, and so we, we recognized that that, you know, wasn't the best uh, tool that a lot of folks got stuck on thinking about that uh, up front instead of thinking about the value that Pulumi could offer for them. Uh, and so we made a change. We moved to a, you know, per user pricing model. Uh, and, you know, per user pricing is very standard uh, in, in a lot of kind of enterprise SaaS uh, uh, products. But we found that um, as we as we scaled that up, we found that it led to a lot of our customers. You know, one of the things that we really enable is to sort of democratize access to, to kind of cloud capabilities within an organization. And so the, the, the customers we were working with wanted everyone in their team to be able to use Pulumi. And some of them wouldn't use it every day. Some of them might, you know, touch some of the the infrastructure only, you know, only every now and then, but they wanted everyone to be able to and to be able to see uh, see the infrastructure that other folks are de developing and not have it be a skill that was constrained to just a few folks in the company. And we realized that sort of the pricing model is actually holding back the way that we wanted folks to use it and the way that they wanted to use it. Um, and so we, we've recently made a change to kind of a, 
consumption-based model, more like you know the EC2 or something like that, where where I, where I used to work uh, for a little bit, where it's really just you know it's priced based on kind of how much uh, you're using it uh, as a, as an organization and how many resources you're managing within your cloud provider. And I think that journey, you know, we learned a lot uh, through that journey, but um, we've been really happy with the sort of reception and how folks are, are thinking about that the pricing model that we have now. So what does the future look like for, you know, the product and for your team? Yes, I'm really excited about the kind of the general market that we're within. Uh, you know, the cloud adoption is still growing incredibly quickly. I think the cloud is really changing how pretty much every company and business is thinking about building and delivering the software that they deliver. Uh, and then on top of that, I think there's sort of this cloud modernization uh, trend we're seeing where really as folks move into the cloud, they are recognizing that there's a ton of really interesting uh, new things they can do in terms of how they fully take advantage of the cloud, all the different architectures they can use, all the different structures on how they continuously deliver and, and that sort of thing. And so. We see that modernization phase is really something where Pulumi is playing a big part in helping uh, companies to sort of modernize how they work with the cloud. And so we're really excited about that generally and about helping you know customers and, and users uh, to, to go through that journey. And um, I think in terms of the, the company, you know, we we want to continue to kind of build on the modern infrastructure's code uh, tool that we've built so far. But we really also see that as just sort of the beginning of how we can help organizations to take advantage of the best of what they have available in the cloud. And that's going to be, you know, infrastructure's code. It's going to be helping application developers to deliver uh, onto that cloud infrastructure. It's going to be helping compliance and, and security policy teams to, to enforce uh, the policy that they need. Uh, and probably even more that we haven't even yet uh, thought about. So we think there's a great opportunity here and really excited to, to continue to help uh, organizations build on it. Well, let's switch to you, Luke. Who influences the way that you work? You know, CEO, CTO, architect, really any person you look up to and why? There was a colleague uh, who I worked with uh, at Microsoft, actually, who uh, I'm just a big uh, fan of, Anders Helsberg. Uh, he created uh, Turbo Pascal and then C Sharp at Microsoft. Uh, and I, I had a chance to work with him uh, a fair bit uh, on C Sharp uh, while I was there. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, he's just brilliant guy uh, has, has had a, you know, created some, some really impactful things uh, for, for the industry. Um, but also just uh, really, uh, you know, we kind of talked about what, what it's like to design a programming language. Just has really great uh, sense of design and sort of that, that sense of how to build products that, that customers are just going to find uh, really enjoyable to use every day, especially that developer customer. It's something I'm. I always sort of. I learned a lot from him directly, but I also sort of frequently uh, think back to sort of the approaches he has taken uh, to thinking about developer experience when I when I think about how that's going to apply in some new area that that I'm working in. And so that that aspect of you know uh, building really amazing things for developers is something that uh, I really um, have a lot of respect for for what he's done and, and the influence he's had on me. Well, we talked about a mistake, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? Yeah, so there's not much, you know, I think we've been pretty happy with kind of how uh, how the Plumy project and things uh, have have gone to date. And there's nothing that I would really change in terms of that that path. I think there's a couple of things that we have in practice um, shifted our approach. And I talked about kind of pricing earlier. But another one that we've actually recently been investing heavily in is, uh, you know, when we started, 
we sort of recognized that to, to be able to have support for a wide variety of, of cloud providers, we we couldn't possibly go build that all ourselves. Um, that we had to sit on top of existing uh, work that had been done. And so, uh, for example, there's you know these open source Terraform providers that have large uh, open source ecosystems around them that are built up support for how do we you know create, read, update, and delete uh, cloud infrastructure in a wide variety of platforms. And so we made a bet early on to sort of be able to take advantage of those and let folks use those from within Pulumi. Uh, and that was that was an expedient uh, choice at the time. But we also have realized uh, we knew at the time and have sort of uh, come back and really focused on it more recently that. If we also uh, go and build our own providers uh, for some of those major cloud environments, we can actually solve a lot more problems for for users and customers, and uh, add a lot more value back. And we have to take the right approach that can scale well. But um, but that if we can take that approach that scales well, it, it opens up a whole bunch of new uh, options for for how we can solve additional problems. So that's something we've been focused on a lot over the last you know year has been. Uh, going back and sort of changing our approach to to actually have what we call native providers for Pulumi for AWS and Azure and GCP uh, and, and Kubernetes, and so that's been something where we've we, we've changed the approach we take. But it's not that I would I would have done it differently. It's more just that we've learned, and and now is the right time to kind of go and take a different approach to it. So you're getting on a plane, and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Biggest thing is just, you know, that excitement uh, is, is, is going to be the fuel for, uh, for kind of going there. For, for me, it was this excitement about, hey, this opportunity around cloud plus developer tools. But that person who's excited about, you know, whatever the thing is that they've built, whatever the market they see as, as being that opportunity. Uh, your passion for that is going to be the thing that drives you through to, to building the company, to getting folks excited about that, to hiring people, like everything that's going to come along this road. And I think just really helping them to tap into and express and get excited about and uh, um, and to share that that enthusiasm and excitement. Uh, it's the really fun part of, of doing this is just the ability to share that excitement and enthusiasm with, with other folks. Absolutely. Well, Luke, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Pulumi. Thank you. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. Support the show on patreon.com slash code story for just five to 10 bucks a month. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.